Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. You have your Bible this morning, turn to Romans chapter 8. We're concluding our series entitled Gospel Truths. Gospel Truths. The first week we talked about regeneration. And in order for us to know Christ, in order for us to, to fulfill that plan, the very first step in this life of a Christian is to be gener- regenerated. Jesus said you must be born again. And in the second week we talked about justification. The concept of justification we boil down very simply that when we experience Christ, it is just as if I've never sinned. And then last week we talked about sanctification. The whole concept that God has set us apart to be holy for a purpose. We have a holy purpose for which God has created every single person in this room. And that is to experience glorification. This morning we're going to read Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30, and I'd have you stand with me in the honor of reading God's word. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse number 28. And the Bible says, and we know that in all things, everyone say all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Gospel truth number four, glorification. And this morning, I want to give you a definition. I want to explain to you what glorification is. I want uh, us to explore some scriptures. And then I want to challenge you this morning with an expectation, expectation for you to experience glorification. We're going to pray this morning for our Easter services. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you that God would give you the boldness to invite someone to church next Sunday. Will you do that? Will you join with me as we pray this morning? Father, thank you this morning for the grace that's so evident in this room today. We thank you for the time of worship that we had, that we could express our love and adoration to you. And God, you met us this morning. I want to say thank you today. Lord, you never disappoint. Lord, I ask right now that in this room, every person that's a Christ follower, every person that's experienced, Lord, the transformation of their heart, I pray that you will give them a boldness. Lord, they have friends and family members and, and co-workers who are far from you, and this is a wonderful opportunity, Lord, for them to invite their friends to church to hear the message, Jesus, that you are good. And Lord, I pray for them today. I pray that you'll give them a grace to, to, to invite. I pray for your kindness, Lord, to go before them. Give them that boldness today. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray for every person that's in this room that they would have an ear to hear and a spiritual eye to see. And God, that you would give me a mouth to speak one more time this glorious understanding that you desire to glorify every person in this room. In Jesus, your wonderful and powerful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. So what is glorification? What is glorification? Glorification, according to the Tyndall Bible Dictionary, is the final removal of sin from the lives of Christians at the end of time. Really simply, it's the final removal of sin from the lives of Christians at the end of time. 
Someone said glorification is the moment that Christians will be transformed spiritually and physically into our perfectly glorified bodies, and we will be with our Savior forever. We will be with our Savior forever. We will experience in a moment of time a transformation spiritually and physically into a perfect body, the way that God desires for every person in this room to be. This Sunday is Palm Sunday, and around the world, Christians are celebrating the coming of Jesus on a donkey, on a lowly donkey, riding into Jerusalem to announce that he was the Messiah to the world. All around the world, as we point towards Holy Week, as we come into Resurrection Sunday, we're reminded. Uh, last night, I was talking to some neighbors. They were sitting around a fire in front of their porch, and we were just sharing. And as I was getting ready to leave, the, the, one of the men said to me, oh, yeah, you have to, you got to go now because tomorrow's Palm Sunday. I mean, even in our culture, there are people that understand that there is something special about this week in the life of a Christian. There's an expectation. There is an expectation in the life of the believer and glorification. Glorification today is this expectation that one day we will be free from sin and we will have transformed physical and spiritual bodies. Transformed. So why do we desire this? Why do we as Christ followers desire to be glorified? If you don't desire it, I'm praying that by the end of the service, you will desire to be glorified Christ. But why do we desire to be glorified? First of all, there is a fight. There is a fleshly nature that's still alive in every single believer. Every single person that's come to Christ still battles with this thing called the flesh. In Romans chapter 7, Paul describes this struggle, this challenge, this fight that's taking place in your inner man. He says it like this, I've discovered this principle or this law of life that when I do what I, when I want to do what is right, that when I want, I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. So there's a desire inside of you to do what is wrong, but you find yourself doing right, but you find yourself doing wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. I love Jesus. I love to worship him. I love this expression that we have when we gather together corporately on a Sunday morning. With all my heart, I desire to please him. But there's another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Have you ever said that before? Have you ever had that feeling before? I mean, you love God, but you find yourself being detoured, frustrated, discouraged, maybe stumbling back into an old habit pattern, doing something that you know isn't right. We've all experienced that at times. And Paul is expressing his frustration with his flesh. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, but it's not finished there. He says, thanks be to God, or thanks God. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the answer today for you and I to be free from the struggle of the flesh is Jesus. The answer and the hope of our life today is that Jesus will glorify our bodies. And so we have this fight with the flesh. Every person in this room knows what that feels like. See, what I know today is I know today what it is to experience sin. I know what it is to desire sin. I've never known a day not to do that. As a matter of fact, there are times in my life that I'm shaking my head. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Because there is something in us that wants to turn away. We are prone to wander. We're prone to wander. We have this desire within us, even though we're Christ followers and we say yes. 
But there's a greater law. There's a greater thing that's at work with our life. You see, this desire within every single one of us, given to us by God's Spirit, is that we will overcome our flesh, that we will be glorified, that we will experience new bodies and a new spirit, a renewed spirit, completely made new. You see, the process of glorification in our life is hindered by this one word called sin. Everyone say sin. Sin in the Greek is harmatia. It literally means to miss the mark, to, to be in error, to be mistaken, to create or to commit an offense against God. We all know that. We all know what it is to experience that in our life again. We all know what in this room, the consequence of sin in the beginning of the garden brought sickness. One of the things that all of us have experienced in this room at some time is, is sickness. We've, we've experienced something physically in our body. No fault of our own. We were just living life, and all of a sudden, we get a diagnosis, or we wake up one morning feeling really, really bad. Sickness is a consequence of sin in the world. Sickness is a consequence of, of what came into mankind's community desiring to bring death to them. We also experience suffering. We know what it is to, to lack at times. We know what it is to be hurt emotionally at times. We know what it is to have relationships go south at times. We all suffer in this life. We know what it is to, to experience this. We know what it is to, 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 to desire to be free from this, to be liberated from this. See, the completion of the salvation experience in our life is glorification. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, Now we know in this, all things work together for good. You see, God is working on your behalf. God is for you today. God is designed for every person in this room to experience the ultimate purpose and plan that he has for you, and that is glorification. And so we have this battle in our flesh. But we have a faith. We have a faith in the fulfillment of God's promises. A little later, Paul says this to the church at Rome. For we know that all creation has been growing as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of our future glory. You see, you accept Christ. You receive the forgiveness of God. You experience new birth. You're born again. You're walking through this process of life of justification. You're experiencing his, his sanctifying power that's leading you towards God's ultimate purpose. And Paul says we have this foretaste. We know that there's something greater. We know that there's something better. We know that God has something better in store for each of us. He says, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Come on, amen. God will give you his full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised to each of us. God has promised every person in this room a new body. All creation, all creation, Paul says, groans, waiting for the day of redemption. There's a groaning. There's a groaning. We see the pain. We see the suffering. We see all the problems of humanity. This morning in Egypt, two churches were bombed on Palm Sunday. There's pain and suffering taking place around our globe today. There's pain and suffering that's happening in this room right now. And the Bible says all creation groans waiting for the redemption of mankind. 
You see, the Holy Spirit lives in us today, and he has made this promise. We have faith in this promise today that we will be included. We have the rights, the full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised to you and I. Someone said amen this morning. And so we have faith in this promise. We also have fellowship, a desire within us. Why do we desire to be glorified? Because there's a desire within us to have fellowship with our Savior. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes these words to the church of Philippi. Paul is in prison. He's writing from a dungeon, from a very bad place. And in Philippians chapter 4, he talks about the joy that he's having in this moment. And the reason that he had that joy is because he expresses it like this. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his suffering. You see, he had faith, and his faith was in this, that he desired to have fellowship and to know Jesus more than anything else. You see, no matter what you are walking through today, no matter what you are experiencing today, if the Holy Spirit is in you, if Christ is in you, the hope of glory, there is a desire to know him and participate in his sufferings, and becoming like him in his death, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. I don't know how this is going to happen. I just don't know. But I know that within the heart of the believer today, there is a desire to be with Jesus. You're walking through the good times and the bad times of life. There is a desire within you to know him to be with him, to experience to felt the fellowship of his sufferings, but to experience the same body, the same body that Christ experienced at the resurrection of the dead. What happens to us in glorification? What happens to us in glorification? At our glorification, our bodies will be transformed. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says it like this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Oh, did you see that? Look at that in verse, verse 21 there. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We're going to be transformed. The word transformation, there's the concept of a caterpillar that's inside of a cocoon bursting forth into something new, to something beautiful. We will be transformed. We will be made new into his brilliance and his glory and his light. I love that name, Nora. It means light. That's exactly what happens at the transformation. That's exactly what happens when we are glorified. His glorious body. We will have a brand new body. Come on, no more suffering. No more sickness. No more cancer. No more crying. No more tears. We will be transformed. We will, it will be our body, but it will be made new. It will be far superior. It will be the same in substance. It will be far superior to what you and I dwell in today. We'll be recognized as the same person, same gender, same ethnicity. We will just be free from all human defects and limitations. You know, lots of people have under concepts or thoughts about what it looks like in the afterlife. But the Bible is very clear. What will happen is that you will have a glorified body. It will be the same you, but it will be a new you. It won't be some disemboweled spirit out there. You won't become an angel. No, the angels are separate from man. 
The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. Angels were created to worship and to serve God. We were created in the image of God to have fellowship and to have relationship with him forever. See, Jesus said to his disciples, does the spirit have flesh and blood? No. You see, when we receive this transformed body, we will be made new. See, at our glorification, we will share in Christ's glory. We will not only be transformed, we will also share in his glory. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible says, We are always thankful that God chose you from the beginning to be among the first to experience salvation, regeneration, to be born again. In order for a person to experience glorification, they must be born again. They must be regenerated. They must have the spirit of Christ dwell in them, live in them. And at that moment, at that moment from the very beginning to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the spirit who makes you holy through your belief in this truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can share in his glory. The Bible says that the imperishable shall become, that the perishable shall become imperishable. The body that was sown in dishonor shall be a body of honor. The glory, the beauty. We see this example a couple of times in Scripture. Jesus was transfigured, transformed at the mount. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, were with Jesus in that moment. And when Jesus was glorified in that moment and Moses and Elijah appeared, the Bible says that they fell on their face. Jesus was the same in form but difference in substance. He had a glorified moment before he died on the cross and rose from the dead. It was a foretaste of what was going to take place when Jesus would raise from the dead. In the book of Revelation, we see the brilliance of the resurrected, risen of Christ who is in heaven. The Bible said he, his hair was like white, like a flame of fire. He was beauty. He was beautiful. He was glorious. Our human body will be beautiful. It will be glorious. There'll be no defects. There'll be no pain. There'll be no sin. It'll be just the way that God created you to be. Just the way that God created you to be. Sharing in the glory and the perfection and the beauty of Jesus. At our glorification, at our glorification, we will be with God forever. When we are glorified, the Bible says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. Amen. Come on, he will live with them and he, they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. And then the Lord will say, look, I'm making everything new. I'm making everything new. God's going to make you new. It's going to be the same you, but it's going to be a new you that transformed you into the image of God. Our glorification is about new, new bodies, new state of being, new assignments, new heavens, new earth. He will make all things new, just like Jesus. It's the desire of your heart today. It's the desire of my heart today. As a Christ follower today, we know that this experience that we are having in this life will someday come to pass. It'll, there will be an end of this life as we know it today. But see, the promise that we have is that when we are regenerated and we experience this justification and we're walking through the process of sanctification, we will one day experience glorification. Wow. So how do I prepare myself? 
how do I prepare myself? Because maybe you're sitting here today and you really, I mean, this is the first time you've ever heard this concept before. I mean, you're just trying to find something to hang your hat on because you never heard this idea expressed in these kinds of words before. So how do I prepare myself? How do I prepare myself for this glorification? You see, there is a battle. There's a real life battle for your life today. There's a real life battle for your spiritual man today, spiritual person today. The enemy wants to knock you off the wall. The enemy wants to distract you. The enemy wants to detour you from the plan and the purpose that God has created for you. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he made made devour. And the fact is if we don't know today, we don't know today the ultimate end of our life that we are going to be with Jesus forever and ever. If we don't know the ultimate end of our life that we are going to be glorified just as he has been glorified, we can lose sight of the hope. So how do we prepare ourselves today? The first thing that we do is we cultivate a spirit of endurance. We cultivate a spirit of endurance. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Someone say, let us lay aside. Let us lay every, every weight and every sin which so easily entangles or ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Everyone say endurance. The word endurance in the Greek means hupomuno. Hupomune is the word in the Greek, and it literally means to come up underneath, to submit underneath. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run this race with endurance. Whatever comes our way, whatever distraction, whatever weapon Satan would throw against you today, whatever fiery dart you'll experience in your life, the, 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 the scriptures declare that God wants us to run this race looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, we run this race with endurance, looking to Jesus. It was 2002, and City Church had been in existence for three years. I, I always tell people the journey, it's never easy, but it's always good. When God calls you, When God has a plan and a purpose for your life, the plan and the purpose of God, it won't necessarily be easy. As a matter of fact, God never promised you a rose garden. You come to Jesus, you experience his salvation, you have this hope within your heart and life today, you're going to have some struggles. Hashtag the struggle's real. You will have trials. You will have tribulations in this life, you will. But you have this promise. You have the promise of God that although you will experience these things, God will lead you to the end. God will enable you to be victorious. Church was three years of age, and we had lost our first location. Literally, we didn't just lose it. They came and they bulldozed it down. That movie theater that we had been meeting in, where City Church had got its start, the the battles and the struggles and all the things that we'd walked through, the the great victories that God had given us, that building was taken away. I I remember I sat there in the parking lot watching the bulldozer just tear that building down. And I thought, God, wow, this is is interesting. What next? (laughs) What's next? And we had secured a movie theater across the street. And and I remember we walked into this movie theater, and it was nasty. It was a dollar theater. It's located down there on 436 and I-4, and it was just nasty. It was not a fun place, not a fun experience. And my wife had been diagnosed with cancer the year before that. And, I mean, things were really challenging. It was really, really hard. 
I remember on Wednesday nights, we found a meeting place. It was in an old hotel on the corner of I-4 and 434, and, and it's no longer there now. They've torn, torn it away to, for this I-4 expansion. But as we were meeting in this place on Wednesday night, I had to walk through the bar to get to the meeting rooms. And in the bar, there was a guy, as an Irish guy, in green, a green leprechaun suit singing Irish tunes at the piano. And every Wednesday night, I had to walk through there and say, God, what are you doing to me? God, why did you bring me to this forsaken place? God, what did I do wrong? Why do you hate me so bad? I literally, I remember one night we had a guest speaker, and while the worship was going on, I, I went outside, and I was just walking around, walking around this hotel thinking, I wouldn't even stay in this hotel. This is a terrible place. It was a Thursday morning after a Wednesday night, and I called a pastor in our community who's been here for a long time. He's been a great friend to us over the years. I called him, and he had been at that time pastoring in the same local church for 25 years. I remember I was, I was expressing to him some of the challenges. He pulled out the violin, and he began to play it softly for me. I was telling him how difficult and how hard it was. I wasn't complaining. I was just expressing my concern. I was so frustrated, folks. I wanted to quit. I really felt like quitting. Remember, I, I just simply asked him this one question. Pastor, how did you do it? I mean, how did you do it? 25 years. He said, Eugene, I don't know. But this is one thing I know. I keep showing up. Come on. How do you endure today? You keep showing up. Sickness comes into your life, and you've gotten a bad diagnosis from the doctor. You keep showing up. You keep looking to Jesus. You lose your job, and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills at the end of the month. You keep showing up. You keep looking to Jesus. Come on, divorce comes into your home and you don't understand why you are in the place that you are. You keep showing up. You keep looking to Jesus. You're a single and you've never been married and you have a desire to have a relationship in a marriage context and you're suffering inside. You're feeling so alone. Keep showing up. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I want to challenge you today. Whatever you are experiencing in this life, run the race. How do we cultivate a heart of glorification? We endure. We keep showing up. The second thing that we must do is we live with a sense of anticipation. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Did you hear that today? We have a priceless inheritance. We live with this great expectation that God has kept in heaven for us, pure, undefiled, no sickness, no sin, no suffering, no Satan, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will make sure you get there safely to receive it because by faith, everyone said by faith, you are trusting in him. You see, by faith today, we put our trust, our confidence in God's mighty power. He will make sure that we get there safely. God's begun this work in you. He's going to complete this work in you. With hope, we live with a great sense of expectation 
that God is going to transform this mortal body, this lowly body, this body that was sown in dishonor will become a body of honor, glorified, free from ever, free from sin, free from suffering, free from Satan, where our bodies will become just like Christ. Anticipation. I remember when my boys, we moved here, they were three and eight years of age, and, and uh, I, as a dad, I, I just love to bless my boys. My parents had both passed away, and my wife's parents had passed away, and my boys had no grandchildren. And I remember we, I, had one, I had one thing I wanted to do. I wanted their, my boys to know that I loved them. And no matter if they had grandparents or didn't have grandparents, that they were going to be blessed at Christmas time. Now, I know a lot of people out there blogging about, don't spoil your kids at Christmas and give all your money away. And, and that's all good, and we give money away at Christmas too. But I wanted my boys to know that they were favored that they were blessed to be the son of Eugene Smith. And so every Christmas co would come, and my two boys, my wife and I, we'd have a present or two for each other, but they would have piles around the Christmas tree. I mean, we would take weeks. My wife would shop, and she shops for Christmas all year long, and we had all these presents stacked up around there. And it might have taken us we days, weeks, or months to buy those presents, but it took them exactly 30 seconds to unopen every present. But I remember that anticipation. I remember that anticipation of my children waiting for that day. It's like a bride preparing for her groom for the big wedding day. There's a sense of anticipation waiting for that moment. There's a, there, there's a, there's a planning that takes place. There's a preparation that takes place as she asks, you know, how do I become a good wife? And the planning of that day and all the events that surround it, there's an anticipation for the fulfillment of that promise. There's an anticipation can you imagine if that bride on her way to her, to, her, to her her day of expectation, her day of anticipation, can you imagine if she decided two days before to run off with one of the groomsmen? Can you imagine that? It would bring such dishonor. What happened? She lost hope. She stopped looking with anticipation to the future that she had with the person that she was going to marry. And it happens to so many people. So many people are on this track. So many people are on this pathway. They're following Christ. And then discouragement comes. Doubt comes. Unbelief comes. They find themselves over in the mud, detoured by sin. They turn away from this glorious promise that God has for, has for them. And I have experienced, and what I know for many people is because they've allowed bitterness. They've allowed a bitterness to come into their heart that life isn't fair. Paul the Apostle talks about this desire and longing to know Christ. Peter said it's with great expectation that we have this hope. There's an expectation we cultivate that Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. There's a place that Christ has for each one of us. There's a place, there's a place that God has for every single person. And in heaven... And in heaven, the Bible declares that when we, when we enter into that place with Christ forever, there's a welcoming, a grand celebration. We cultivate a lifestyle of holiness. 1 John chapter 3, John says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will be seen as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. God today, God today has done this work in your life.
You've been regenerated. He's justified you. He's sanctifying you by his spirit. And now you have your part to keep yourself pure, waiting for this day of glorification. But when will this take place, you ask? When will this happen? Glad you asked. I don't know for sure. I don't know exactly when this day will take place. But there are a couple of things that I do know. One, the Bible says that this gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth. What must take place before this day of glorification for each of us? The good news of Jesus Christ must be preached to the whole world. The Bible says the whole world must have adequate witness so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. You see, we have a mandate today from God. We have a mandate to go into our city and to bring his love and to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We have a mandate today, but we also have a mission. We have a mission. We have a mission to do our part, to walk out his purpose, to live out his plan. And today, the challenge as we prepare our hearts today, I want you to know today, this gospel must be preached and God is going to use you this Easter season is an opportunity for us once again to invite people to the glorious message of what Christ has done for you and I. And Jesus, Jesus is coming again. When will this glorification take place? When Christ comes again. The Bible says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Let me call you in close. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, and those who have died will be raised, live forever. And we who are alive will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. When will Jesus come again? When will Jesus glorify bodies at his coming again? Come on, give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning. When the trumpet sounds, are you waiting for that trumpet today? Are you waiting for that trumpet today? We cultivate a heart of anticipation, heart of expectation. Cultivate a desire to walk with God and his purpose, to live out a holy life. The trumpet is going to sound. You know, Palm Sunday, people recognize that Christ rode in on a donkey. But when Jesus comes again, he's going to ride in on a white horse. He should be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on. Jesus is coming again. Jesus desires to glorify you today. Jesus desires to make you and your body just like his. I want you to close your eyes this morning. You're in this room today, and you're not ready. You're not ready for that trumpet to sound. You're not ready this morning to experience. You've not been born again. You've not said yes to the Lord. You are still living for yourself. You haven't experienced the changed life. You haven't experienced the love of the Father, the love of God in your life. Today is your day. There's coming a day. There's coming a day of glorification when the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remaining shall join and meet him in the air. But today, 
Today is your day. Today, if you don't know Christ and you're in this room, when I count to three, I want to give you this opportunity. One, two, three. Come on, in this room right now.